not, it's not, it's like, because you do, you think like, be, I, I'm just a person. Yeah. I am just one person. Mm-hmm. So what is my, in me caring about that? Like, how will that change anything? Because I do, I think some of everyone just feels so small and yeah. so powerless mm-hmm. in all of these situations, whether mm-hmm. it COVID, whether it be, um, all of the racial injustice that's happening right now, like not right now Mm -hmm. it's it's on the forefront right Mm -hmm. now but that place of thinking like well even if I did do that would it matter like would it make a change and then realizing oh my gosh if there's so many of us did that did that but then so many of us still feel powerless so just I think like you saying that was yeah yeah yeah, and so I felt uh, we are recording right now, by the okay. way. Well, uh, so welcome to uh, yeah. the Dear Life I'm In podcast. It is uh, June 2nd, and we are here with... 2020. Um, a friend. Yes, 2020. We are here mm-hmm. with our friend, which we will introduce in just a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do that, <laughs> Chantel has a question for yes. us. Because, you know, You always wonders. start with a question. Yes. Um I, so obviously with what you had just shared, um, Lou, and I couldn't push record fast enough to get all the good nuggets. Um, <laughs> of we just, well, and we've been talking for the last hour yeah. and a half that we probably should have had a lot of other nuggets. That's yeah. Okay. Um, and so those of you that have, uh, have been listening to us, um, since we've started doing our podcast, you know that, uh, we love to talk about very, um, very playful things, very, uh, like here and now we talk about the body, we talk about relationship, um, and today, uh, just obviously with, with what is going on with the media, what is going on in the world today, um, there are some pretty heavy topics that we, um, that have just been right in front of our face. And so like Lou had said, uh, we have a guest today, um, which we cannot wait to introduce. I can't wait to unleash <laughs> her on you guys. Like I'm just, I'm looking at her and I just can't wait for you to hear what she has to say. Um, but I had, uh, we, we'd been talking for probably about an hour and a half now and, uh, nonstop. And I usually start, uh, the podcast with something that is a, what if, or a, um, a, do you, you ever, ever wonder? wonder? <laughs> yeah. Do you ever wonder about, um, and so I was watching something, um, on, uh, on social media, on Instagram, that was a video clip of a, a woman, a professor standing in front of a class filled um, with, with students. And she basically asked the question of, would you, if, if you feel like you would willingly change place, change places with an African American in the country right now, would you please stand up? And not one person stood up. And that, that just, it, it shocked me in a way that wasn't shocking because nobody stood up, but it shocked me in a way that was like, if I was in there, I wouldn't stand up either. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a shift in my heart and in my perspective, um, in what is, what's going on in the world. Because me, myself as a, a white female, single white female, who's <laughs> <laughs> saying that song? Uh, Jody Messina. Is it Jody Messina? I don't, know. don't ask me. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm not sure who it was. Some country um, music singer. And I I wouldn't it it just I, I don't I don't see myself as as racist. I don't see myself as um as this person with a perspective that I feel like 
uh, others have that label themselves as racist or not racist. But then I thought, oh my gosh, if I'm not, if I was in that classroom and I didn't stand up, man, what what's in the way? Mm. Like what's there? What am I not seeing that's in my heart and in my mind? And um, I feel like in the last five days, six days, it is like it's led me on this journey that's just, um, it's kind of, it's heartbreaking. And humbling. And humbling because I'm looking at the things that I have been ignoring, you know, um, that I have just seen as one incident or one day or one person and I've measured that. And so it's, um, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. And I, I want to know how to not do that. And I want to know not the right way or the wrong way, but the way that will actually, that will, that will be seen, that will be heard, that actually will make a difference. Mm. Um, not just in the, the posts on Facebook or social media or bumper stickers or yard signs, but what action, if those are the things, then yes. But what are the things that I can do as a person to, um, what are the tools that, that I can use to help dig all those things up? So anyway, so maybe uh, ask yourself that question and yeah. see and yeah. see what comes up. So we are here um, with our dear friend, dear friend, uh, mm-hmm. Jessica Murray. She is a wife. She is a mama. She is a really good friend. She is a fairy godmother. And <laughs> <laughs> she will so call herself. Um she has uh, helped us in our communication uh, with our business. She has experienced Camp 17. Um, yes. She works out with us on a regular basis, lets us, you know, challenge torture. her deeply. Oh, yeah. Coach her. Challenge, challenge right. You challenge. said coach. No, I said torture. <laughs> oh, torture. I thought you said coach torture. Oh, man. Um, so, she, show, show she is a, so she is a social change communication expert. Um, for the field of peace building. Yes. And she has been doing this for seven years and she is working with the world's largest peace building organization. She also has um, her own organization like about to take off. We're like, the, it's, 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 it's coming. You're going there. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called Wicked Saints. So you can uh, find them on Instagram. Are you guys on Facebook? Uh, barely. Barely. So you okay. can find us, but yeah. there won't be anything there. <laughs> yeah. so. um, WickedSaints.com? So, yeah. So, yeah. WickedSaints.studio. Dot can, studio. Yeah, okay. you can check us out and see okay. what we're about. So, they are um, an interactive story game for kids um, that is wickedly fun and actively good, where uh, young children, young kids, young teens learn to deal with conflict um, in a constructive way, uh, which is absolutely incredible and um, things I think we probably need to be learning in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, not on a second hand, like people are having to create uh, games for it because we're not actually taught how to do this. So mm-hmm. as um, tensions seem to be building in our nation um, with racial injustice and people wanting to be heard and needing to be heard and deserving to be heard, um, but us not knowing how to um, deal with conflict very well because we're not really given tools, um, I think... Uh, ultimately, I think you're an amazing woman, and so I wanted you to to be on our podcast. Um, but I think in the time that we're in right now, I think there's 
there's so much that we need to understand about peace and conflict and conflict and peace and Mm -hmm. um, the necessity for both in order for there to be um, real change. So um, Mm -hmm. thank you for being willing to come here and and Mm -hmm. be here with us and talk and be my friend and all those, all those good things. Um, Oh my gosh. You know, I I love you guys (laughs) so much. So thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here today. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. So I'm just going to like, give you the, if you want to just share a little bit about, um, who you are, what you do, and then, uh, we'll just kind of go from there. Just kind of go and see where it, see where it takes us. Mm -hmm. Yes, Yes, please do. So, hey, I'm Jess. First of all, <laughs> nice to meet you all as you're, as you're listening. Um, I always feel the need to introduce myself, even after I've already been introduced like twice now. Um, so, I am a small town girl. So, I grew up here in Southern Oregon. I'm actually second generation um, Southern Oregonian. So, okay. my mom went to Phoenix High School. Okay. Nice. Yes. She's in the Hall of Fame there, if you all know. Mary Walters. For what sport? Volleyball and basketball. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. Stud it. Stud it. And, um, <laughs> but um, my story um, doesn't probably start like your typical um, Southern Oregon gal. So, I was born, so my mom was like the beautiful prom queen, um, you know, the sports star got a scholarship full ride to or got a scholarship to go play at Oregon State and came back halfway through with a black illegitimate baby in her belly. Mm. And so this is um this is the start of my life. Mm. And um it's it actually took camp 17 to um make me realize how um how my start in life and even how my color has affected um, just about every aspect mm. of my personality and my choice of work <laughs> and mm. and everything. I was like, no, like, and and part of this is true. So like, I, so part of this like is absolutely true. I'm like, no, I'm just you know, this is this is what I'm made to do. This is how God <laughs> made me, and this is how I am, which is like absolutely true. But like, I was definitely shaped in a, in a serious way. Mm. Um, and so I, um, so looking back. On my childhood, and this was something else that I argued with Lou a lot because Lou is like, "You are a number one. You're a perfectionist," and I was like, "But it doesn't make any sense because my mom is super chill. Like, I grew up in a household where like my mom was literally like, "Why are you getting A's and stressing out? Just get B's and relax. Like, it's all good. Like, this is so just to give you an idea of like what my childhood and like my relationship with my mom is like because I had a very unconventional childhood. She, my mom, did not make me clean my room because. <laughs> She thought that I was such a good kid in every other way that I needed some form of rebellion. And she thought it was very (laughs) healthy for me to have that in a messy room. So my mom never made me clean my room. So did you have like sandwiches like under your bed, like that kind of messy? No, I'm not. So I'm not like, I'm not mold messy, but I am like (laughs) mold messy. Yeah, I'm not mold messy. That's like, that's, I do not like grime. But just, okay, like, that's good. Okay. But just like clothes everywhere. And like, I am a messy person. And so that's why I was like, I'm not a perfectionist. Like, come to my house. It's like a disaster. Like, but so this is like, so my mom and I had this amazing relationship where it was just the two of us. And we we're like the Gilmore Girls. My mom, mm. like, was so fun and spontaneous. And she only cared about the big stuff. So she didn't care about how things looked or mm. like any of that, you know. Um, she just cared, like, are you being kind? Are you being, like, mm. are you trying hard? Like, you know, she didn't care about any of the the, uh, the pretty stuff in life, mm-hmm. you know? 
But the aesthetics. The aesthetics of life. Yeah. She really yeah. didn't care. She just, like, she loved me to death. And it was like, you were the best thing that ever happened to me. And, like, mm. so, like, the absolute best mom ever. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, in the beginning, we did not have much. For the first five years of my life, my mom later sh- showed me the tax returns. She made between $2,000 and $5,000 a year. Whoa. So, like, we did not have much. However, my grandparents did. My grandparents are, um, my grandfather's a great doctor in this valley. So a lot of you probably had Dr. Walters <laughs> in, your, in your life at some point. That was my grandfather. Um, so I had this kind of good mix of culture. Um, but, you know, my mom and I were more like sisters. And I'm an only child, but I've been told I'm a very normal only child. (laughs) For all the only children that get flack out there, I feel you. Um, But, you know, it's so, but I had a really amazing childhood and this incredible mother. Um, But what I saw um, was, well, I I noticed a few things. One was that I did not look anything like my mother. Mm. So my mom is drop dead gorgeous. She's like, 5'11", sparkling blue-green eyes, blonde hair. You know, she looks like she just walked out of Vogue. And, like, I had um, I had, a, I, I had some rough years, some rough, you know, um, duckling years, where <laughs> I, you know, like, not only, like, I just look nothing like her. Everything about mm. me is brown. My eyes are brown. My skin is brown. My hair was not straight and flowy. It was curly and coarse, and no one knew how to do my hair in the valley. Mm. And so it was... A hot mess half the time. Um, you know, I had these big glasses as a kid. That Did you? I'm almost legally blind. and so No way. I didn't know that. Yes. And so the glasses aren't just big and purple, but they're super thick. Oh, they're purple, too. They're, they're super thick purple glasses. And so it made my eyes smaller, you know? So you oh, had, like, yeah. the little, like, pin yeah. eyes in there. Yeah. And then I had, like... So you were, like, the really super cute little kid that would, like, look at you and, like, blink, blink in the big old... Like Coke bottle glasses? No, because those eyes get big. Mine are like little beady, <laughs> tiny eyes. Oh, they're the other way. They're the other way. Where they're like super beady and tiny. And and I was not small by any means. Yeah. I was a head taller than everybody. I'm unusually muscular for a child. Mm-hmm. My dad played in the NFL. Like I was not a little thing at, at any... I don't think I've ever been petite in my entire life. How much did you weigh when you were born? I, I think... Oh, I was like nine pounds something. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You and me, girl. I yeah. was a nine pound baby too. Yes. Rock with, yeah. the, rock with the heavy babies. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, my point is, is no one believed that she was my mom. And she, they probably wouldn't have believed anyways, but I think like the whole like not being very cute thing also probably impacted <laughs> it. But no one would believe that this was my mom. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to school and people telling me all the time, like, you know, um, you know, your mom's just... You know, you know your mom's lying to you, right? Like you were adopted. You know that, right? Like, <sighs> you, and and I would kids go, are so mean. They weren't trying to be mean though. They literally thought that they were like helping help, you out, helping me out. <laughs> well, like, Here, let just, me let me help just <laughs> out, just to let just you, so know. you know. There's no way you came out of that woman. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I would go home and be like, Mom, like, you know, am I adopted? And she's like, No. What are you talking about? Like you saw, like you've seen the hospital pictures. Like you yeah. seen my, like what do you, you know? Yeah. And so there was that element of, um, that I, you know, I didn't have all the things that were like beautiful about my mom and my family and my friends did not apply to me. So there's Mm. a little bit of that, that was going on when I was younger, but the thing that really impacted me and I didn't realize how much it impacted me until like day camp 17 
of when I started to look at like anger and I'm like, I don't have any anger issues. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy all the time. Um, <laughs> I was uh, digging into uh, assumptions Mm-hmm. And for me, it wasn't assumptions that people had about me. Mm. It was assumptions that people had about my mom. Mm-hmm. So from, you know, as soon as I could remember memories, I saw how people looked at my mom and I saw how they treated her. Mm. And I knew. Even as like a little kid, you You, you sense it. it. Yeah. You sent, you see, like you can see the other moms and you can see the other people. And, you know, I went to Grace Christian. It was a great school, you know, but like we were, we did a lot of things, you know, um, in a lot of circles, and I could see how people looked and whispered and mm. judged my mom, mm-hmm. who was the best mom in the entire world. Um, and I knew that her great sin wasn't having a kid out of wedlock. Her great sin was having a black baby out mm-hmm. of wedlock. And there's mm. something about being black that was very bad. Mm-hmm. And um, I... The only real, my, it didn't, my, my dad's side of the family is amazing, but I didn't grow up with them. And so the only really interactions I had of the black community was media. Mm. So like the commentary news channels Mm -hmm. that were on the movies, I hear people talk about it and I'd hear things like, like, well, you know, slavery ended 400 years ago. These people Mm -hmm. are just lazy or you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I started to realize why. Black, and I'm doing hand quotes because I'm doing them right now, but it's a podcast, so you can't see me. So I'm doing, you know, but like why it was bad was because black, what I started to understand was that black was criminal. Mm -hmm. Black was, there were troublemakers, not as pretty, not as smart. Guys, she's drop dead. Gorgeous. No (laughs) kidding. Thank you. You know, um, so like, but the list goes on. Um, aggressive never the lead role you know not Mm -hmm. like it just goes on it was the black black was bad Mm -hmm. and um and so my best kind of f you to the rest of the world who was looking at my mom the way they were was just to be absolutely amazing at everything and show them how good I was. And so leave no doubt. There was going to be no doubt that you I had not the going best to... mother because <laughs> yeah. I, like I, and I like literally, and so, and so this is where this perfectionist, you know, personality comes in. I did, I did not get a single B from middle school, high school or college. We're talking mm. AP classes. We're talking, you know, like you can't Dang. get 97% or higher yeah. like in order to get an A. I refused. I refused to get it. Like I killed myself on academics. Mm. You know, volleyball mm. dominated. We mm. won state championship for, you know, that I did also I did not cuss. Mm. I would not say I would not go to a party where there's any alcohol. I never drank. I never smoked. Mm. I like I was not having sex till marriage. Like I was going to be perfect. Yeah. Like I was, and I didn't realize what a weight that mm. that carried on me, um, and that stress I I had for um, my color. And I actually went into college having a lot of racial bias myself. Mm-hmm. That I had no like as I was a you know black person, a mixed person in college, having bias against myself and my community. And, um, and it wasn't, thank 
God, oh my gosh, that my black teammates were so kind with me. Um, <laughs> you know, because like I could, like, because now, like, looking back, I like remember points where like they'd like roll their eyes, like, uh, <laughs> like I'd say something and be like, uh, like, okay, you know, like, we love you, know, like, you're a good person, Jess, we love you, anyways. Um, but yeah, so that's, and so, so what, what Camp 17 did for me is like help me realize that about myself which brought up all this anger and rage that I never dealt with mm-hmm. uh, about how people treated and um, me and my mom. Um, and, you know, also Camp 17 helps you connect to your body and your emotions. So what I had become was this armored vehicle mm. that was going to plow down any barrier in my path. I got a little eight in me too. So, <laughs> like, I was going to plow it down no matter what. And But I was armored, and the problem was is I was getting sick a lot. Mm. So I would go, 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 never let anything get me down. I got into... Um, Oh, I haven't even got into like my work. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. No, it's okay. It's okay. okay. This is good. This is really good. Okay. When we get into these, you can start. It's it is okay. your work. Okay. You okay. Know? Great. So just so you know, like how I got, like how did this small town girl get into international peace building? Okay. Yeah. This was like so the the spark notes. So went to college for um, journalism and international relations. Um, ended up being a student reporter in Ghana. Had my first experience in Africa. Um, ended up being a being a press intern in Washington, D.C. for Senator Harry Reid at the time, who's the Senate Majority Leader. Came back, 2010, thought I was going to get a job because I'm like, graduated summa cum laude, all that kind of stuff. Could not find a job anywhere. <laughs> no, like, I was like, oh, like, you know, like, the the people were going to hire me at the Capitol Hill. And I was like, no, I can't stand American politics. Like, I don't need a job from you guys. And then I couldn't find a job from anyone else. <laughs> um, started working at, came back home, started working at KLBI 5. Um, started running all their awareness campaigns, Mm. anti-child abuse, anti-domestic abuse, anti-sexual abuse, Mm. um, pro-education. I became the meth girl, Mm. um, or the (laughs) anti-meth girl. If you're listening from Southern Oregon, if you heard the Southern Oregon Meth Project, I was the meth girl for, the anti-meth girl for a year. (laughs) Um, so that's like a lot of talking to young people because drugs are just a symptom, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're looking for something else, looking for escape, they're dealing with rejection, they're dealing with all these these other things, um, a lot of trauma stuff there. And then, but I was seeing so many bad things happen that I was like, um, there has to be, there has to be a way to stop bad things from happening. Mm-hmm. Like there has to be, cause I was just so many stories of trauma, um, especially around sexual abuse and domestic abuse. Um, that was like, how do you stop violence before it happens? I'm tired mm-hmm. of telling these stories afterwards. Yeah. And that's where, um, and that's where I found my answer in peace building. Mm. So, okay, yeah, man, I haven't stopped talking. Please talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's absolutely great. Yeah. So I, um, I think uh, you and I kind of had a little texting back and forth conversation, probably where both of us were like crying while we were texting, and then texting and crying and crying and texting. And, um, but I, um, we had we had talked about um, we had talked about this. The ability to, when we, you know, we put, we talked about it on our Instagram yesterday about the, the suppression of our emotions mm-hmm. is the isolation of our hearts. Yeah. And so knowing that if I, well, I've, if I just put these things away, mm-hmm. um, then I just won't really have to deal with them and then I can, and then I can keep moving forward. Um, but I think what we have seen is when we don't, when we don't know how to engage in conflict well, mm-hmm. um, we just, 
put it away. Yeah. Or if I feel this, then, um, which, I, which I think is probably, I've never, um, I don't think I've ever cried over an injustice more than I have cried in the last week. Um, just from simple, like going out yesterday, just even going downtown, I just cried. And there wasn't anything grand happening. No one was saying, everyone was just, they were just saying, they were saying George Floyd over and over and over again. And that was the only thing that was there, but it was so emotional. And there are so many things that are, are happening, but for the ability of those things to like come up so that I don't carry them, mm-hmm. um, how have you found um, or even been able to see like how um, detrimental that can be in even our, our messaging as humans? So if, if you are a peace builder and you're doing a really great job, you're, you're doing an amazing job. And so you've now realized like you've been peace building for however many years, seven mm-hmm. years with this organization. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I actually have some of this stuff inside of me and the ability to feel it and to like, you know, we don't need to talk about how we allow people to feel it other than like a baseball bat in a bag. Mm -hmm. And um, how have you felt that that messaging of where you've been able to like help walk people through um, has been helpful? Yeah. So, um, you know... The kind of so when you do the kind of peace building work that I do, you come up with a lot of really sad, horrible stories. And so, um, so the last can you give can you give an example of like of of some, of like a peace because I, I feel like people th- yeah. think that they know what peace building is. Like you go in and you maybe sit and write. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. can you give an example of like what uh, even even when we first started action when we actually sat across from you and you told us what you did we were like whoa this is so crazy like you're doing such important things in the world and things that people um like very 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 serious things yeah so okay so let me back up a little bit about like what what peaceful like what because i think people think that we just like sit around and like beat drums and like like let's hug each other (laughs) pretty pretty much yeah that's uh, that's why i wanted to do this was like no there's conflict in peace yeah no exactly like (laughs) and this is like this is something like and i'm in messaging so i'm like i'm so one of my first things is like when i'm talking about peace building i usually never use the word peace because people like they think it's like as interpersonal peace I think like calm waters and they think I'm like hippies and like yeah. smoking pot like there's just like all these like weird like <laughs> yeah. things associated with the word so okay so let me explain so a little background on um peace building and then the specific kind of peace building that the organization that I, that mm-hmm. I work with does. so yeah, so awesome. so for the last seven years I've worked for search for common ground so search for common ground is the world's largest dedicated peace building organization so working to end violent conflict before during and after a crisis mm-hmm. so we do everything from reconciliation after genocide prevention of mass atrocity work countering violent extremism to refugee integration into the communities we do a lot of gender-based violence work um, especially around like security and we also do security sector reform so security sector reform is what people are um, pushing for right now so looking at um, basically going in instead of um, our approach is instead of to like blame people and like more of like a justice approach Mm -hmm. of like okay like we're you know our approach is like hey can you just let us in to train you like let's Mm -hmm. look can we like let's train on human um rights and on our own bias and um let's see like how we can be better at our at our jobs and and Mm -hmm. and make sure that we're we're protecting civilians and, and all that kind of stuff so we do that work all around 
all around the world. Um, I personally do social change communication training. So what that is, is I do, um, so it's, it's helping um, people build strategy to when they're creating um, campaigns and awareness that help shift attitudes and behavior. Yeah. But I have, but they're the ones that actually come up with, with the messaging themselves. So like okay. they have all the great ideas and like it's just my job to, to pull them out. And so I've done this in <clears throat> Kyrgyzstan, Jordan, um, Nigeria, Burundi, which is like a really tiny little country in East Africa, um, Thailand, Armenia. Uh, we did about three in Colombia around the reconciliation process there in Colombia. Um, so Indonesia this last year. Um, so, so you're like going in on the ground level and working with activists that are there to help them create change where they are. You're helping them. Yes, exactly. So to train young activists and young peace builders, um, to not only how to communicate effectively and, but actually, and to shift attitudes and behavior, but also to reach across dividing lines. Like how do you, um, there's certain words that we use that trigger each other. Yeah. Tell us about when you were like. Yeah, because gangsters work in gardens or something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. no, exactly. So, so you know, so NGOs, so like the, uh, you know, the non-government organizations, like they tend to be kind of like kooky and wonky and, you know, they'll give these grants and they'll come up like, okay, this program is like, for, it was called Seeds of Peace. Yeah. And, but the actual program was for the Afro-Colombian community and targeting gang members. And they were like basically going around and doing art together. So like a gang going around doing like beautiful art whether it was like music or like street art or like it was like you know like really beautiful but it was called seeds of peace and um <laughs> i was talking to the the young man and the translator and I, he was like what do you think he's like well this is kind of like what the organization told us to call it what do you think about it and i was like okay um so like it's really important to like it's basically about what is your audience concerned about and like what are their values and their concerns and like tapping into that and using language that like represents that i was like oh do i'm like i don't know this so you can tell me but um (laughs) do gang members in columbia garden is that like a thing and he's like no i was like yeah then let's not okay like (laughs) like, of peace is not the right it's not effective communication and so he ended up changing it to um my hood my crew yeah. Which was like so much better, and the funny thing is, is like in Spanish, like they, it's like a cool slang to say crew. They're actually saying crew, like how we do okay. in the U.S., yeah. but it, like they they like yeah. took the American word and like so it ended up being great. But yeah, yeah. so like that's the kind of um, thing, and so I've seen like a lot of stories, and um, you know we're com- we're a um, non political organization, so that we can go in and kind of. Um, be able to mediate and, and have a foot to stand on. So the thing that's important to know about peace building is, um, so, and I actually like talking about it as common ground activism. Mm-hmm. So it's about mm-hmm. stopping the threat of violence. So it's about stop and go. Mm-hmm. So stopping the threat of violence, whether that violence is physical, emotional, or structural in the sense of oppression. Okay. Um, but it's also about go. So it's about unlocking transformation. Um, and so we believe that our inability to deal with differences stops us from making progress on almost every issue we face. And when you say our, you mean like my inability as an individual human being. Mm -hmm. That's where this all starts is me. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Not you particularly, Lou. Yes. But, but, but it is, it is 
inside of me that this every, actually begins. Yeah. yeah. Every yeah. person that it, every person that's listening, every set of yeah. ears, like, yeah, that's, it's, yeah, it's, that's it's, good. It's really, and it's so simple, you guys. It's all about like, how do we attack the problem instead of each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's really that simple. And the way that we do that is we help people focus on their shared interest mm-hmm. instead of their separate positions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like you might have a tribe that's warred for a long time, have a long history of violence, um, but they both need a better education system. They both need their daughters to be able to walk to school and, and be safe. And so we help them focus on that. So we help mm-hmm. people see their shared humanity mm-hmm. and their shared goals mm-hmm. that they have in common and mm-hmm. work towards work towards that. Mm-hmm. I don't really know why I'm writing these things down because I'm writing them down. <laughs> I know, I I'm like, that. I need to write this down. I have no idea why. I'm like, I'm going to have these like little random sentences where I'm like, I don't... I'm not sure why I wrote it down, but I did. So what do you feel like in in what obviously the nation is going through right now? What do you feel like is, if you were to, to go in, mm-hmm. like on the ground, mm-hmm. and you were to talk to organizations that are leading movements and, and, and getting, getting things, trying to, trying to reconcile, what would you say the shared interests or the common goals are? of these, of, of even, I mean, obviously like we, we look at the both sides of the black community and the white community and like, what, what is it? What do you feel like as Jess Murray, do you feel like personally and personally, but then also in your professional opinion, like Mm -hmm. being an African American woman Mm -hmm. in this country and knowing what you know about peace and how it's actually found, Mm -hmm. like, what would you say, um, is are those two things are the the one you know like the 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 common interests and then and then the goals what would you say they are yeah well i think there's a big thing here with um common humanity and dignity mm-hmm. that um is a big issue here in the black community and the and uh, the community of color that's been here for a very long time yeah and so and and seeing each other um seeing and treating each other as, as human beings and, um, and loving each other in, in that way. And so we can go into that a little bit, but I think a lot of the shared, there's so many shared goals, um, that we have so many around this issue of, you know, like, like, I think, I think a lot of police officers would, would maybe appreciate training, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. maybe like, I think they would like, like for, there's, I think that there's police officers and just like, and I had a Marine write me today and that have such a heart for protection mm. and want to protect people. Mm-hmm. And, um, like for me, that is a common goal of like, how can we protect, you know? So like first, like making sure that we're all seen as equal level and have the equal dim- dignity as a human. Mm-hmm. And I think the dignity, dignity part was a really hard part of that video yeah. is because George was given no dignity. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, but there's so many things around, like, like how, how can we do, you know, how can we, let's focus on some of these goals of reform. So, like, maybe, like, like less incarceration is, like, less violence in our community, less, you know, um, less crimes, like, less drug. Like, there's, like, there's so many things that we can come, we can come together on, but we've become a... Um, a country who defaults into polarization, mm-hmm. who's like, what side says what? And I need to align with my side mm-hmm. um, and my separate position and then battle the other position. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get us 
anywhere. Yeah. And so, and it's become identity politics. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, I'm now being, I'm not, I'm no longer being loyal because I'm even questioning it. Mm -hmm. If this is the right thing to do when really it's like, let's put all that stuff aside and like, let's look on what we can accomplish together. Mm -hmm. Like we would all like, uh, I think, I think we'd all like a place where we all feel safe Mm -hmm. in our communities and we all feel like we can jog at any time of day through any neighborhood, Mm -hmm. which my husband can't do right now. I, at some point I was like, Oh, like, you know, this is my jogging path. And he's like, no, I only stay on the main streets. Mm -hmm. He's like, even before Ahmad, like I'm only going to stay where a lot of people can see me because I don't want someone thinking that I'm running someone's like, you know, running from somebody's house or running from, from this. And, uh, I mean, we're seeing that a lot of like a lot of people have just come out and shared their stories of working out and how yeah. hard it is to work out outside mm-hmm. if you're a person of color. Mm-hmm. People assume suspicion that you are that you are doing something wrong and it can and it can be deadly. Um, so there's I mean, there's so many things that we can come together on around, you know, around justice, around incarceration, around um, policing, around just like how we tr- how we treat each other. Um, mm-hmm. In America, it's like our communities, it's actually like it's it's good. And this goes for poor white and poor black communities like nine. It's something like I'm going to get these stats wrong, but it's like something like 98 percent of our economy is run by the like 98 percent. Right. Like mm-hmm. because people that have less money, we're spending our money all the time in our economy. Like we're the ones that spend our paycheck almost every time, mm-hmm. right? If we get more money, we're probably going to spend it. Yeah, um, yeah. Versus like the wealthiest of the one per 1%, like they're, they're going to store their money, mm-hmm. right? Like they're going to like, it's mm-hmm. not going back to like pay small businesses for like little trinkets or like whatever it's stored. And so uh, the poor black community and the poor white community have a ton of stuff in common when it comes to opportunity, when it comes to the economy, mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, education, um, when it comes to, you know, the criminal justice system, like there's so much stuff in common, mm-hmm. but we've been divided, mm-hmm. um, so that certain, and, and in my personal view, so that certain people have, can maintain power and, and some of it could also be out of greed. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's really good. It's so good. I think that there's, do you just, do you just no, go okay. ahead. Um, I was really I, part of part of why I was so excited for you to come on is I feel like right now in, in my life, I'm in a place where, um, I, I'm more, more aware of when my actions are empty and when my words are empty, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and in a way that is, I want to search for something different, you know, like Mm -hmm. I want, I want to, I want to find, and it's not in a way of like, I want to find the right way because I want to be right. Mm -hmm. I want to find, um, the right way because I want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I want to, um, and, and so a part of me, Lou and I went, um, last night to the rally here in, in Medford and, um, and we, it was, it was in the evening and I was, I was a little scared, Mm -hmm. you know, I was a little scared, but yet. I felt like in that moment, that was the only thing that I knew mm-hmm. what to do. That was the only thing that I knew to do. Yeah. And even then when I went, I didn't even know what to do. Yeah. Like I had no idea. Yeah. And, and so I, 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 and, and then there's another part of me that feels like, 
are like me being here, are they offended by me being here? Because I am a white girl, blonde hair, blue mm-hmm. eyes, and I show up and I'm just standing there. Yeah. You know, I just got off work. I'm in my gym clothes, short shorts, tank top, you know, and I'm just, I feel like, am, am I, it, does this matter? Yeah. You know, like, does this, does my presence mm-hmm. matter? Mm-hmm. And, and not like I, I like need to know, but I just felt, I felt, I didn't even feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't know if what I was doing actually was, was helping and standing with, mm-hmm. was it supporting or did it feel like, okay, are you, are you, are you coming and standing here and not knowing what to do? And so I felt, um, I feel like there's a lot of people that are in my shoes that, um, that, are because I, I I felt like in the past it's paralyzed me mm-hmm. where I don't know what to do and so I just don't do anything mm-hmm. um, or I just assume that someone else is going to do it but really even like looking and reflecting on what Lou had just even said like like having like her like her saying like me like I mm-hmm. I am actually I can do something but mm-hmm. what can I do yeah. um, it's not just uh, a party or a side or an organization that needs to just be the forefront mm-hmm. it actually is yeah. is everyone mm-hmm. and I do believe that something is happening I do believe something is happening culturally um, right now that is a massive shift that is is going to change a lot I don't know what it what that what that is yeah. I don't know and I don't believe anybody really does but um, and so like in, in that, what does it, from your perspective, um, or what is, what is your feeling or your comfort like with, with support? Like yeah. what, what does that look like practically? Yeah, no, absolutely. This is, um, this is so good. I'm, and I'm glad you brought it up because I am like, you are not alone in this. Like, this is what I've been hearing for the past, uh, the past few days. Um, so let me just like, you know. So let me talk, so I'll talk about like what like you can do and like what we can do together, but like just in, but in the, in the context of that, let me just go back a little bit so that there's, so I, so that there's understanding of like mm-hmm. what is, um, you know, what is, what is going on and what the black community is experiencing right now. Um, uh, because I've, you know, I felt a lot of conflict too, because I'm feeling, um, because now that I did Camp 17, I'm completely connected to my body. So thank you, <laughs> both of you guys. Um, you know, and um, and I and I had never allowed myself to be connected in this way mm-hmm. before this. And so now here I am, you know, uh, Jess, the normal Jess, but like connected to her emotions, which mm. just was not a thing before. Mm-hmm. And um, and then and we've had this perfect, and we were talking about this before, this perfect storm of events you know, of, of what has been going on, um, what's been going on since the election with the, the rise of hate crimes, with how I've seen my family treated in this valley that I've never seen before, mm-hmm. um, with, um, you know, the fear I have for my husband, who is a tall, gorgeous black man, um, but the, he's mm-hmm. a huge black man. He's scary to, to people, you know? Um, and Until he talks, and you're like, oh. Yeah, oh, he's so sweet. He's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, totally. He's probably going to listen to And even to then, he's he totally listens. not scary no. at all. No, no. I, know, I know, but he's, yeah. he's just so you guys know, he's 6'6", 245, I think, 250. So he's, I mean, he's a, he's a good size. And he's built like a gladiator. He's, he, Seriously. he is like Thor. I'm not even joking. He is like Thor. <laughs> 
Uh, he's the black door. So, um, so, okay. I wish there were more men like that in the world. I know. <laughs> like single ones? Uh-huh. No, uh-huh. I'll keep an eye out. Like two of them? Yeah, I'll keep an eye out. Awesome. I will keep my eye out. Okay. So keep my eye out. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, there's, so, and then there's like COVID when happen- has been happening, and, you know, the COVID um, has hit the, so it's hard because we don't see it here, right? Like COVID mm-hmm. hasn't hit Southern Oregon very hard at all we've had um, I think we had like 48 cases and then we've just had a few come mm-hmm. up but it's not it's not we're not seeing it like we are in New mm-hmm. York or anything like that but you know the black community has been hit really hard by COVID they're almost twice more likely to die from it mm-hmm. um, and that is because of um, that is because of the status of health of the African American community here mm-hmm. um, so just to give you guys kind of an idea so the average the average white family in America makes $117,000. The average black family in America makes $17,000 a year. So the crazy. average. The average makes $17,000 a year. And so you, I mean, there's beyond organic fruit, you know, like that is a family, and that might be a family of four mm-hmm. or more that is that is living in that way mm-hmm. um, and so the healthcare is almost non-existent you end up getting fast food you don't have you can't you can't afford membership to a gym yeah you know um, you you're just trying to get by and so um, it has reminded all of us in the african-american community how poor our health is because how poor our lives are mm-hmm. here and um, and the sad thing is, is that there's been many instances where black communities started to thrive, like in Black Wall Street and Tulsa, um, where then it was then decimated by the, the the white community that then came after. So mm-hmm. if you don't know the Tulsa massacre, go look it up. Mm-hmm. There's um, this has been happening through 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 history. There's a lot of history of redlining, mm-hmm. where you cannot leave your neighborhood, you cannot buy into white neighborhoods, and you get stuck there. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's been um, that has been happening. And COVID highlighted how poor our living situation is mm-hmm. here in this country. On top of that, you also have um, many of the, um, because of their social economic status, many black people are um, essential workers. Mm-hmm. So they don't have the cushy job that they can just get onto Zoom and do it from home. They mm-hmm. have to actually go out there. And they're more likely to get killed by it. And then, and now you also have that, that they also have the highest unemployment rate. So they're also getting hit by the, the unemployment rate. So this is like a perfect storm. We have Ahmad the week before out jogging, hunted down, killed. No one did anything mm-hmm. um, because they suspected that he was, they, they say, they suspected that he was um, a burglar, even though it turns out it was just the contractor that took the equipment from mm. the site. But they... That, that's what it was. So that happened. Then we have Karen. Um, then we have Karen, um, Cooper, Karen Cooper situation. So if you don't, if you haven't seen this video, what is happening is we have a um, African American bird watcher in New York. So he's a bird watcher. How tame is a bird watcher? You cannot get like any more tame than a bird watcher. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to watch birds. And this white woman has her dog off leash, and so he asks her to put the dog back on leash to follow the rules of the park because mm-hmm. he wants to watch birds. And she was so upset with him for having the gall to tell him what to, to tell her what to do that she uh, and he starts filming this that she says, "I'm going to call the cops and tell them, and tell them that an African American man is threatening me." And 
um, this video, um, I feel like in the um, non-black community, kind of just like people saw it and were like, oh, that's horrible, and then went away. Mm -hmm. um, this was so infuriating um, to the black community because for so long we've told ourselves that they just can't see it. They just, you know, there's no way they can experience it. They can't see it. They just don't, you know, they don't hear us, um, but they can't, you know, they can't see it. They can't experience it. And that, and that's why nothing has changed for us. Mm -hmm. um, this is why, you know, for years, decades, we've been talking about brutality that's been happening, um, from especially from law enforcement to um, the black community. And no one has ever believed us or done anything, but like, you know, they just don't see it. They just don't mm -hmm. know. So when Karen, uh, with a, when she did that and we saw it, we go, oh, no, she knew exactly what she was doing. Mm -hmm. She knew exactly the threat that she was making to him. Mm -hmm. It's like so he's like, no, no, no. They they know mm -hmm. they, they know what our situation is. They know how, how our interactions are. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then and then the video of George. And so just to like. So I've, I've learned through this time that it is actually really good for me to express my pain mm -hmm. because, <laughs> and like, I know. So if I start crying, uh, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to talk through it and you're going to hear yeah. my cry, cry voice, yes. mm -hmm. but, um, it's good. so with George, oh my gosh. So, and I think it hit us so hard because this is something that's been it's like why does like you know there's been a lot of videos like this it hit us so hard um because if you watch the whole video and like i couldn't watch it the first, the first time i couldn't watch the whole thing i finally went back and watched the whole thing here you have a black so there's a history of lynching in this country that is very it's awful and i didn't learn about it in school it didn't happen in slate like it happened in slavery too but it's happened recently and um, and lynching is just like that common threat. That's why people. That's why white supremacists hang nooses mm -hmm. um, around because they know what that means. They know mm -hmm. what that means to the black community. Yeah. Um, so to sit there and watch this man who is completely subdued, um, three people on him, you know, handcuffed, um, with a man on his neck, and he's pleading. He's pleading for his mom. Um. He's saying, I can't breathe help. People of color around are screaming at the mm -hmm. police officers to stop, to let him up. But they, I know they can't feel like they can do anything because then they would be considered attacking. Yeah. Um, and they could be killed. And so here you have a police officer that's doing that. He, we now know from the coroner report that George died four minutes into that video. And his knee was on his neck for almost nine minutes. And he didn't even take off his knee when the paramedics came to check his pulse. His knee was still his knee was still on there. And for so long, we've been told that we have been killed or like excessive force is used against us because people are scared of us. Because mm -hmm. they're scared, they're fearful, um, which is one not right because it's <laughs> a horrible stereotype. But it's just you know. But we're like okay, people are people are scared. Mm -hmm. And you look at that cop's face, and he wasn't scared. Yeah, no. He was not scared. He was smug, and he knew the power he held. Mm -hmm. And he knew he was being filmed. Mm -hmm. And every and all the other cops, too, they, no one said a word, and they just let him die 
that black men die by his neck in broad daylight. Mm -hmm. And if you look, if you read the police report, none of that's in there. And so this would have just been another time that the black community would have said, like, hey, this happened, and mm -hmm. no one and no one would have believed it. Mm -hmm. And it was so triggering because it triggers all your racial all the racial trauma that you've experienced, not even yourself, but generations back. And you just keep looking back farther and farther. And the and I think that's really important for um, people to understand, especially in this valley, because I'm hearing it a lot from black people, is that the whole black community is grieving right now. Mm -hmm. It is it is grief. Mm -hmm. And it is um, it is heavy pain mm -hmm. and people deal with pain differently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and and what makes pain worse is when people are like, why are you upset? It's just yeah. one like, oh, the guy got arrested. What do you like? What are you upset yeah. about? And um, or people being not acknowledging the pain of what we were going through and have been going through and how much we've put up with for decades and years. Like we've we've done marches. We've done we've made hashtags. We've knelt quietly and peacefully. And when that kneeling came from respect out of the Marine who was like, you know, go ahead, take a knee. Like, that's how you, like, we, we've done everything peacefully and quietly. And, um, and then, you know, and then it's like you snap. It's like, mm -hmm. how long are we going to, how long are you going to take abuse before mm -hmm. you, um, before you fight back? But then to have people respond in a way that's like either dismissive, like, why are you upset about it? The guy mm -hmm. got arrested or, um, and in your pain and your grief as a black person, I'm expected to to dig up my pain and my traumatic experiences for your behalf so mm -hmm. that you can examine them mm -hmm. and see if you think that it's right or maybe there was another reason for that. Mm -hmm. And then I have to then accept that your judgment on the situation if you think it's important or not or if you want to change it or if you want to do anything about it mm -hmm. and the and not only that what we're seeing is also people way more upset about property damage than than, than people you know mm -hmm. so people that were completely silent when george floyd died mm -hmm. but then are like but this is not the way to handle it you know mm -hmm. and i do not believe in violence or looting or rioting um, but to not acknowledge people's pain, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's like, and so like, you know, you're saying like, you're standing there like, what am I doing? You know, like the first step. And so I have all these steps and we can go through them. Um, <laughs> you know, if it's, if it's helpful for folks, can I, can I say something before we go, um, before we go there? Can yeah, we, yeah, yeah. One, I just want to say like, thank you for like sharing that, for being vulnerable, for, mm -hmm. Um, allowing us to hear you and mm -hmm. to see you even though we don't get to see you, right? Like, mm -hmm. I get to see you right now. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like, thank you for doing that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the thing, too, in so much of the work that we have been doing um, with just people and their bodies and their emotions mm -hmm. and their hearts and their minds is that, like, we, if we don't, if we don't deal with our traumas, mm -hmm. it doesn't go away. Yeah. Like what we do not deal with, it like mm -hmm. literally is in our DNA. Mm -hmm. It is in our genetic code yeah. that then is passed to another generation that doesn't necessarily know that exact thing. Yeah. But it's like literally passed because it's in 
It's in our DNA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like somebody else has their own trauma. Yeah. Like white people have their own trauma. Black people have their own trauma. Families have their own trauma lines. They have their own disease lines that are years and years and years of just suppressing and suppressing and suppressing and feeling not having a safe enough place to feel like you can feel Mm -hmm. like a Mm -hmm. safe enough place to say like, I am so angry and this is not fair and this is not okay. And so like for, for the things that we, that we do inside of our little baby gym that are, that is creating a safe place for, for humans Mm -hmm. in general, but to be able to know how important it is for, for us to give people tools and to help them actually navigate through their grief and to Mm -hmm. be able to name, this is actually pain. Mm -hmm. This is actually grief. Yeah. But you know what? Right now it just feels like anger. But on the other side of my anger is my sadness. But if I am unable to express my anger, I might never find my sadness Mm -hmm. because it got buried because that was safer. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And so seeing an, like seeing the overflow of like people being like pissed and breaking things. And, and like, I, I like that part of it. It's like, well, that's not the right thing to do, but you're like, but who's to say in a situation where I feel completely powerless, no one's listening to me. No one's hearing me. Like, what if I just break this window? Like, will somebody listen? Maybe who knows? Yeah. Right. And so again, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with violence either, but there is that place of feeling like so frustrated that like, what else am I supposed to do? Because it doesn't seem like anything is helping. No one is listening. And mm-hmm. so being able to, to have the, to have the space and, and you and I were talking about this the other day of, I, I was just even reading a book on, on, it was it was a book on reading people's faces like being able to see mm-hmm. their face um and they were talking about a lot of things but one of one of the contents was just talking about inflammation in general right. and there was a statement you and I were talking it had nothing to do with what you and I were talking about but it said it said inf- um inflammation is necessary for healing mm-hmm. and inflammation is necessary for healing yeah because if there is no inflammation, if there is no feeling, then there is suppression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so can we create spaces and give tools? And I, I look at you and I look at the woman that you are and the voice that you have and the things that over the next year, over the next six months that are going to come up and out of you as a way of like literally giving tools to another generation mm-hmm. to, to be so effective because... Because you're, you're saying like there, I, I have to do it a different way, but I didn't even realize that I was doing it this way. I had no idea that I was even doing it this way. And then I realized that I was doing it this way, but now everything changes in, in your messaging. And so the understanding that like the things that are going on inside of so many people are not necessarily because they know, they know, they know they've had their experiences. Yes. But even knowing that in our bodies, our bodies carry the stories of our fathers and our forefathers and yeah. our fathers before that. Yeah. And knowing that if we don't deal with it, if we don't see it, if we don't 
recognize it, acknowledge it, and allow ourselves to feel it. Like we need to allow people to grieve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's what it comes down to is, you know, um, cause like I, cause I, I said this before, like, I don't like agree with the violence, but I understand it, yeah. you know? And I think, you know, us being Americans who like, we fight back when we're attacked, <laughs> you know? And, um, and the, you know, I'm really grateful for so much of like the, like the black lives matter leaders right now being like, they have been really the ones that have been like, no, this is, you know, this, like, even though, and, and there's this argument too right now, right? There's this argument about, um, on the flip side of like my peace building, <laughs> the argument is like, well, the language that America understands is violence. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what, you, so sad. like, that's, that's how you get people's attention. Like, you, you know, that's how, uh, that's how the Boston Tea Party happened. Like, if you look at like mm-hmm. some of our history and, um, and it's really hard because if, you know, and, and I, you know, I asked myself, I'm like, if, if the black community didn't get so mad that it erupted in Minnesota, would people care right now today, mm-hmm. yeah. this day, or would they go about their normal lives? and 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 do anything and it's a hard you know it's a hard question and and that's and that's not the point the point is is what you're saying is just the the best thing that the number one thing that you can do right now as like a non-black ally what we're calling people um <laughs> or is it is in the in southern oregon you say a white person <laughs> um, <laughs> can i ask you i'm this i for all those listening, you're like, Lou, I'm never going to listen to another thing you say because you are so ignorant. Like, that's totally fine. It's okay. But I really do have a question mm-hmm. because I wonder all the time. I'm like, so is it rude and racial to say black? Is it better to say African-American? Is it better to say colored? Like, if I am talking about a black person, mm-hmm. is, there a, is there a more respectful term other than like, obviously you're a human, yeah, you know, but where we are right now and the yeah. things that we're actually talking about, is there like a better word to use? Like what is the best word? Yeah. So, um, so is that a dumb question. No, it's not a dumb question at all. So, um, you one, would probably tell me on air. If it was I actually thought, thought the same thing. Afterwards. I thought uh, this morning as I was like getting ready, you're like, how am I going to ask for like, questions? Or I'm like, okay, so do I say like, <laughs> no, just, no, 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 just being an African American woman, just being a black woman, just being a woman of color. And I'm like brushing my teeth thinking. I don't know which one of those is the best thing to say. I'm like, <laughs> totally. I'm like, I've, I've never, I've never thought that. It's so stupid to ask it because. Yeah. Well, and the hard thing is, is there's different opinions, right? Like different people have different preferences. Yeah. Um, so one, don't say colored. Yeah. Okay. That's so like, you can say yeah. people of color, just don't say colored. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And um, yeah, and so some of it's generation because like these things keep yeah. changing. Um, so I think the difference, like I'm fine with, I personally am fine with black. There's been a whole movement that black is beautiful Mm -hmm. that like that the, the African American community, now I just use African American, (laughs) (laughs) they're interchangeable, um, has, has embraced to empower themselves that Mm -hmm. black, because black for so long has been darkness is evil. Black Mm -hmm. is evil. Like everything like darkness and, and light, like everything refers to how bad it is to be black. Yeah. Right, and yeah. so there's been this whole like yeah. so, I mean, there's all this like all the stuff of how it affects yeah. black children's minds. But anyways, so like so, but there's been this whole movement. So I'm fine with black. The problem with black is is that people assume that like people that have brown skin are black. 
Yeah. So, like, you know, you have, like, Dominicans and Puerto yeah. Ricans and, like, yeah. I'm biracial. Pacific Islanders. Like, Pacific yeah. Islanders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's why people sometimes, like, just to be safe, like, a, like a like a person of color. Like, yeah. you know, because it's like, oh, it's black, right? And, and like, I'm Guatemalan. It's like, oh. And, you Sorry. Know, <laughs> like, yeah, you're like, dang. <laughs> I'm trying over here. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm just messing up all over the place, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. I just no. want to be better. <laughs> no. So that's, that's okay. And, you know, we all gotta have like a little bit more grace so like as I'm talking to you guys about this I'm also talking to other folks on, on, on other sides of things we just have to have grace with people you know and yeah. and like even with like who people vote for like I've been having like no you have to like acknowledge people's pain of like their mm-hmm. experience is real to them mm-hmm. if they yeah. feel like they're being oppressed they feel like they're being you know attacked that might mm-hmm. be like real to them yeah. now the scale might be very different mm-hmm. but it, it's real and i think that's like what it comes down to that's so important as a white person right now is just acknowledging the pain totally yeah. it's just like being there to just acknowledge the pain empathy uh, empathy mm-hmm. empathy that moves yeah. towards compassion yes. mm-hmm. you know and i think that's it's not everything mm-hmm. right like we actually have to go and make change but like you're yeah. saying like you can't if you don't address the trauma or the grief so you gotta so we have to you know and like i said don't worry the black community is on it we're working within our own community to address our grief so you don't have to tell us how we should do it like don't <laughs> worry just throwing that out there like yeah it is happening in the leadership yeah. there yeah. you know um but just like being there and trying to understand you know like when you're just like when you're super upset about something and justifiably upset and someone's like, calm down, relax. Yeah. Like, does, it doesn't help. It, it does not help. Or like, oh, well, but, you know, like, and you get so pissed off and you're like, oh, like, I just dropped an F-bomb. And like, but like, the reason that you dropped the F-bomb, like, people ignore. Like, mm-hmm. something horrible just happened to you and you dropped mm-hmm. an F-bomb and someone's like, you shouldn't say that. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. you're yeah. like, are you kidding? Like, what about, like, yeah. the guy just punched me in the face? Yeah. What do you mean I shouldn't say, you know? And so just being like, aware that like if you like it's so it's so hard to understand the black experience because it's it's um because you you your skin is not black so Mm -hmm. you can have you can be discriminated against because um you are a woman who you vote for um you know you're you're where you were like all this different stuff but the problem with black skin is it's associated with aggression and with criminality. Mm-hmm. And in this country, in most places, if you feel threatened, you have the right to use lethal force. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that is such a... So I keep talking about what a lethal assumption it is. And that's why it's so hard to understand. Um, you know, the closest I've heard was today, my um, colleague in Washington, D.C., like they went out and did a peaceful protest. They were... They were gassed. You can go look at footage if you want of what it looked like. And he said, I now fear to, I have fear around interacting with the police. And he's like, I've never, he's like, I'm a white man. he's white, yeah. Okay. I'm a white man. I've never in my life been afraid to interact with police. And after my experience yesterday, I am fearful. And I realize this is the experience every African American, especially every African American man, has faced his entire life. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the closest thing, but it's really hard to understand something. And I think we also make the mistake of thinking about ourself mm-hmm. and empathy. Yeah. You know, instead of just empathizing with someone, just like, okay, I'm going to sit here in your pain with you and listen and mm-hmm. try to understand your experiences and and really truly understand. Mm-hmm. Um, 
instead we're like well this is what i've experienced that's similar and but i was kind of doing this and yeah. like you know and like that's and and that's what it is and it's the same thing with the whole black lives matter versus all lives matter and you mm-hmm. were talking to me about this before chantel yeah. it's like you know because it's, it's like well i matter too like mm-hmm. you know but the that wasn't the point like mm-hmm. you don't go to breast cancer you know, rally and be like, "All oh, cancer matters." Like yeah. you know, like, yeah. Yeah. like that's oh, true. Shoot. Like it's like that's so true. It's like yeah, like we're not saying that like you yeah. know, like it, it doesn't like yeah. you know. We're just like, or you don't go to like like like. There's this example of like, okay, a house is on fire. Your house is on fire. The fire trucks pull up, and they're like, um, "What about my house?" And they're like, "Well, you." you don't worry, like, we're here for your house, too. but this one's on fire right now. It's like, well, but, like, do I have the, like, I would like my house wet just in case, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, but we got to take this. And so it's hard because it's like we, it's like, it's such a, it feels like such a muzzle because you can't even say that your life matters. You just, no. we need to, we need to remove our ego from this mm-hmm. conversation. And, like, this actually isn't about me. Mm-hmm. This conversation isn't about me. This issue is not about me, mm-hmm. but we so often do not know how to take our egos out of the way right. enough to see that like, oh, this actually isn't about me right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and part of that is, oh, part of that, we can talk about race-based stress. There so th- this is perfect. <laughs> uh, and so part of that is, is like, uh, is about race-based stress. And so race-based stress is um so every so when you are a person of color do you like how i just keep using it now i'm like (laughs) when you are a person of color every day you are aware of um uh, you are you are aware of your color right Mm. so like you think twice about the words you use about your tone about your emotions am i allowed to be angry right now are they going to feel threatened um and even your presence in a room Mm-hmm. Like you're like you cannot say or do anything, and just your presence in a room will completely change mm-hmm. the the dynamics. Totally. And so this is this kind of awareness and thinking through, and it, it's it's stressful. And if you are someone of color in this country, you think about it, it happens every day through mm-hmm. every interaction, you know. Um, but if you are white in this country, you are a majority, mm-hmm. and so you do not have to think about your color every day, every time you say something, every time you go to the grocery store, every time you interact with. Um, law enforcement or politician or, or mm-hmm. whatever, you don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and race-based stress is really uncomfortable. And so when you are presented with it, you might feel uncomfortable. And people have different reactions to it. I know. I feel like, I don't know if the people in the podcast can hear a uh, <laughs> lawn blower. So, no. I think so, he's a street sweeper. It's like the third time it's gone by. I'm like, oh my gosh. We've had more ice in the, in the freezer drop in the last... 45 minutes than I think I've ever heard. I'm like, oh. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't even noticed. Okay. So, so when you, so, so race-based stress is really uncomfortable and people have different reactions to it. So you might feel uncomfortable around something and you could say, and you could feel guilty, you can feel shame, you can mm-hmm. feel denial, you can get angry about it. Like there's all these different reactions to it. Um, and, and it's comfortable. So, or you might just want to avoid it altogether. Like, mm-hmm. if I just don't have to look at these really sad videos and these really sad stories mm-hmm. and like hear these angry black people like ranting, mm-hmm. like then, like, then I don't have to, th- then it doesn't affect my life or affect my day. Yeah. The problem is, is like, okay, like we'll just like not say anything and your life will continue on fine. My, mm-hmm. meanwhile, like we're still getting beat and killed in the streets. Yeah. So it's, um, and I think it's, 
you know, and it's also as important, it's also a good way to help you recognize your own bias mm. as well, mm-hmm. um, is instead of, you know, if you, and, and again, this goes to like allowing yourself to feel. Mm. So if you go into a room with someone that is a, a different ethnicity or, or whatever, and um, you start to feel something, allow yourself to feel it. Mm-hmm. If you feel fear, allow yourself to feel that because then you can be like, oh, like, I'm feeling fear right now. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Is there a reason for that? Or do I have some bias I need to explore? Do I feel, what am I feeling? Oh, I feel suspicion. Why am I feeling that? Like, mm-hmm. this would even go with another party or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel suspicion. Like, why am I feeling that right now? And just take a look and, and examine it more. And it will help because then it allows us to examine our own bias. Because bias, like, you're not a bad person when you're biased. You're a human. Yeah. Every single one of us has bias towards whether it's, like, like it could be a homeless person. It could be, a, like, you know, like, teachers. I don't know. Everyone loves mm-hmm. teachers. Kids on skateboards. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for real. I'm like, where are you going? What are you doing? <laughs> like, there's three, four, five of you. What's happening? Yeah. You know? No, and it's, and the thing is, it's so human. And it's actually the reason, like, why, like, when I have these conversations with, um, Caucasians. No, I'm just like, <laughs> um, I, I never use the word racist or like, cause it, it immediately is like, I'm not a bad person. And yeah. like, actually the meaning of racism is like not, it's like a power, there's like a whole power structure to it and all this stuff. Yeah. And so I'm like, people don't even understand that. Mm-hmm. So like, let's just talk about bias because it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean, you know, and then there's this whole conversation too of like, okay, like I'm not a racist. I don't have hate in my heart towards anybody. And then, and we feel like that is enough. And so that is my check mark. Mm. I'm not a racist. Woo. Like I'm, I'm good. Um, can I just raise my hand and say that's me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that, that, totally. that is totally me. We, we had this conversation yep. last night. I was like, I, I just, I don't that, but then, but then I was like, okay. But then we were searching for the word, and it totally is biased. Because what did I what did I end up saying? I don't even remember. I was like, it's like a um, an assumption. Yeah, yeah. It's my assumption of people. Yes. It's my assumption of. But then I was like, but. And then here I am making it about me again. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'm like, and like in in that where I was like, this is because this is so real for me right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is so real for me, and. And I, I just am, okay, I'm assuming, but yet I assume, I assume things about black people. I assume things about white people. Yeah. I assume things about kids that wear their pants halfway down their butt. <laughs> yeah. I, I assume, I assume people when they come into a grocery store that have dreadlocks where I'm like, are you homeless? Did you not like, you know, I yeah. assume things yeah. automatically yeah. or that somebody's a hippie cause they smell like patchouli or, yeah, yeah. you know, like I assume the lifestyle. I assume what side they stand on mm-hmm. automatically with certain things. And so, but I, I did that. I even like, I defended my bias even in that moment as I was trying to find out if I was actually mm-hmm. biased. So I'm like, I'm defending that I'm biased. I'm biased, you know? Yeah. And, but yet it made it so much more, um, because like you said that, that extreme of like, Racism. We just think of the, you know, the Confederate flag. We think of the KKK. We yeah. think of these things that are like people are are putting these these mm-hmm. symbols out there yeah. that are so like very offensive, and they actually mean to be offensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where there are assumptions that I have, but I'm like, like you're saying, like feel it and 
And because I do feel like there's so many people out there that are like like me. Yeah. yeah. Where it's it's they 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 want to be honest, they but yet they're also offended with certain things too because they're, you know, but they having, feel attacked. They totally. feel yeah. No, and I think people feel attacked here. And so I think it's there's been this really interesting um differentiation this time around like like okay, I'm not racist. That's great. But are you anti-racist? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. are you actively anti-racist? Yes, and it's and yes. it's an active thing because we're constantly have to check ourselves mm-hmm. on um, how we're feeling, how we're treating people, and we also have to see like, am I like, if it's not affecting me, but it's affecting like a a fellow human being who mm-hmm. is also a child of God. Like, can mm-hmm. I like, what do I? Do I care? Yeah. Do I care enough to maybe be uncomfortable with people yeah. who might think I'm being disloyal, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or but not I, falling in you line? You know what I think for a lot of people, and I, I'm going to, I speak for myself when I say this, um, is I think there's so much of it where you, I think that there's so many people that are like realizing how they've thought, even mm-hmm. though they haven't realized how they thought, but then they're like, wow, I just feel like maybe I'm just a little bit. I'm just uneducated. I feel like unlearned and uneducated mm-hmm. in this area, which then you no one wants to feel stupid. Right. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to feel stupid. So then in feeling uneducated, unlearned, you feel stupid. Mm-hmm. So then in turn, you say nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you don't pay attention mm-hmm. because no one wants to feel stupid, inadequate, or like an utter asshole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, totally. And so, like I said, so the first thing you can, so like the first thing is just like, like I said, acknowledging people's pain and yeah. being like, I see this. Yeah. I hear you. Like that is huge. Yeah. Um, and like recognizing bias, that's also, that's also important. But like you, there's also this really great opportunity here to, um, people have been calling it like yield space, but I like mm-hmm. just like to just be a champion, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? And I think there's a couple ways that you can do that. Like one is you can create space for people of color to like elevate their voice and to mm-hmm. elevate their experience. You know, there's so many stories out there and there's documentaries there's books around stuff around this issue and um there's a lot of history that you go through anything that you recommend for people um yeah some people have um have asked me this so i always recommend like if you're on netflix or watching netflix um it don't have the kids around because i'm sure there's you know bad words in it um but look at uh, the 13th mm-hmm. on netflix is a good one to watch just to get kind of like the history of um, you know, like after slavery and the black codes and like all, all of that kind of thing that, that happened afterwards to kind of give you a good history. I mm-hmm. think that's a important start. Um, there's also um, a few books on like popular one right now is like how to be an anti-racist. Mm. Um, there's uh, some books on it's called White Fragility. And so, um, it's funny, I like never use that word because I think people find it super offensive. So let me just explain it really quick. <laughs> um, so the, Hey, it's not about you anyways. Just listen to what she has to say. Go read the book. <laughs> so basically it's what it's saying is like, is the whole thing that we talk about race-based stress. Yeah. So like you feel attacked, you know, yeah. with something small, like somebody kneeling, in yeah. my opinion, that's small. Yeah. Um, it probably feels small right now, so yeah. I think I'm okay to say that. <laughs> yeah. um, but you feel, you feel personally We're attacked. We're not in football season, so I think you're all right. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah. okay, good. Um, but you feel visually attacked, and it's yeah. like, and so, and so you have this whole community that's like, what do you, like, 
you feel attacked now. Like mm-hmm. now, like you, and, and this, and there's this conversation, like you're so upset because you have to wear a face mask for 20 minutes in Costco. You're so upset, but you watch that video and you're not livid. You're not like where, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's what they're talking about of just like, and, and like, I, like, I can't be angry. I can't say, I can't talk about racism. I can't, I can't say the word. I feel, I personally have felt that if I say the word racist or racism, privilege mm. or fragility, then I will lose my audience that I'm talking to mm-hmm. um, because they will feel, they will feel attacked. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, and, and, um, and so, and it's a hard thing because you can't express literally how you feel mm-hmm. like the, the moment, the moment that hit me the, so after watching the video on Friday, the moment that hit me that I could not stop crying and I felt so hurt and so enraged and so in, in pain was um, was a tweet that the president tweeted. Mm-hmm. Like that was the moment that broke me where I couldn't stop crying for the next three days. Yeah. Because in this moment of grief, I um, like from I saw from the very top of our country that. Uh, used a racially charged word of thugs mm-hmm. and then said, you start looting, we start shooting. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it was, a, it was an incitement of violence. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like we have been held, we've been treated really poorly for a really long time. We've been attacked and have, and have been very peaceful. And then we snap and now people are going to use this mm-hmm. as a, um, justification of why you should be fearful of black people mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. black people are scary that mm-hmm. they are violent they are they are aggressive and now it's coming out that it's not true mm-hmm. that like actually a lot of the looting and stuff is happening by extremist groups both mm-hmm. on the right and the left mm-hmm. um so it's just you know i can't even remember what i was talking about or like why mm-hmm. i even got into that oh my my points oh yes okay so so let's talk about so okay so let's talk about like what you can do and i'll just list them all out right now actually no i'll probably have to stop at one so but yeah so okay Okay. so we said acknowledge so we said acknowledge pain so Mm -hmm. that's huge right just be there allow people to grieve don't judge the grieving but there's there's more stuff that you can do so so acknowledge the pain listen and learn Mm -hmm. so just take time to hear people out um, don't try to psychoanalyze it. Just listen. Try mm-hmm. to understand. Educate yourself on the history, what has been going on. There's also lots of studies that show what happens when you, even if you have a college degree and you try to go get a job and you get interviewed. Just mm-hmm. this. I mean, we're talking about you know um, what's happening with law enforcement, but it's so much wider than that. Um, recognize your own bias. Allow yourself to feel in situations and what you're feeling and know that you're not a bad person but Mm -hmm. that it is natural and okay but like you're saying trauma has to be addressed like these things have to be addressed if they're going to heal um and then uh, and i talked about being a champion as well so giving um so giving so both so this is a two this is a two-tier thing so you can both yield space for people of color to like and elevate their voice and allow them to speak what you guys are doing right now so you get extra brownie points for that one um but it doesn't but it also means for you to step forward mm-hmm. as well um and I know a lot of people are like, well, I can't, like, I don't know anything about it or mm-hmm. like, you know, and I'm, I'm getting this a lot. Like you guys aren't the only ones that are saying this, um, but it's not just about, but the thing is, is your, 
your uh, your money means more. Mm-hmm. So you mean more as consumers. White people mm-hmm. mean more as con- you are more valuable as consumers. You are more valuable as voters. Mm-hmm. Your vote means more. More money goes into marketing towards you guys. And your friends listen to you more than they will listen to us. So if you have a friend who is, like, scoffing about it, like, ugh, like, here they go again, like another tantrum, mm-hmm. you can actually be like, hey, actually, have you thought, mm-hmm. like, they might be going through something right now. Or did mm-hmm. you know? Like, you have mm-hmm. that yeah. ability. And that is such a power. Like, I feel like, you know, because, like, I grew up Republican, and I feel like there is this, you know, and, and the, what I hear most is, like, oh, you know, they think we're, we think we're racist. And, like, and, and it's hurtful. That word is used, and it's hurtful. And um, I'm like, this is such an incredible opportunity to really step forward and disrupt that narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and say, like, like I, like... I love people. I'm going to treat people with dignity. And like, this is, this is important to me that we do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's so much power in, um, you know, what people can do right now, even if you don't know the history of Tulsa massacre or whatever, you know, there's Mm -hmm. so much, um, that can be done because there's going to come a time when we try to figure out how to actually make reform. And there's a whole history behind like how law enforcement was built in this country, all this stuff, but there's going to come a time for reform I hope, um, soon. And, um, you can be, you know, amazing at that. And then also finally, I want to challenge people to rethink, um, peace, what that means Mm -hmm. and rethink justice. Mm -hmm. So peace is not being passive Mm -hmm. and justice is not vengeance. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, until again, and so make a t-shirt out of that. (laughs) You guys make the best. (laughs) Um, oh no, I meant you. Oh me. Okay, yeah. I'll make it. I'll make a t-shirt. I'll wear it around. Um, so what I so you know in the peace building field, and this is a really wonky word, but they talk about negative peace and positive peace. And so negative peace are when things are quiet. Okay. So like oh like the, no one's writing. Mm-hmm. You know everything mm-hmm. is good, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's it's and it's a lack of conflict, but it's and a lack you don't hear the voices or the grievances. But that's not actually true peace. Mm-hmm. That's suppression, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. stopping the voices. That's stopping yeah. people from hearing about the conflict and stuff. And so that's not true peace. That's negative peace. True peace, or what they call positive peace. I don't know why they call it that. I don't think anyone's going to take positive peace seriously. But hey, I'm not in control. <laughs> Find another word. <laughs> I'm not in control of the messaging here. So for I'm just going to say true peace. So true peace, though, is like actually, you know, it's a place where conflict, um, it's like conflict is not a bad thing. Okay, mm-hmm. first of all, conflict is not bad. Conflict yeah. is an indicator that there's a problem somewhere, but it's also an opportunity to fix that problem. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, um, So that's what, in order to get to a place of true peace, in order to get to a place where every, like my son who's three will grow up and he is the best answer. He's the best answer (laughs) and the cutest little button ever. Like he will get to a place where he can safely and confidently walk down the street with your son. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's what true peace is, is a place where like we actually have a just society and a safe society yeah so then going to justice okay so so now for all of for so so it's because it's on both sides right and so guys she's getting like real she's moved i just paper moved my paper and I'm like, let's talk about this. she's about to go so <laughs> on the other side of like it's not vengeance right of justice not being vengeance um and 
you know, I'm seeing a lot. Uh, I've had conversations with, um, and it's actually been my my white friends on the on the far left side, mm. or not far left, just left. They're not far left. That sounds like extremists. They're not. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> they're, just, they're just more left than than um, here. Than right. Than right. They're more left than right. Let's <laughs> yeah. just say that. Yeah. And it's and it's like so on the flip side, they're like no, like like this country was built on the back of slaves. Like you have the right to like tear it down. You know, you are, you are being attacked. You should fight back. Mm -hmm. Like this is the only thing that America listens to like burn it down. Okay. So for those people, um, the, the thing is, is what I would ask. And like, first of all, I totally understand it. I'm enraged. I, I get it a hundred percent, but I asked them, I'm like, whose kids will pay for that? Mm -hmm. Whose kids will pay the price of that? Mm -hmm. And it's black kids. It's my kids because, mm -hmm. Right now, my husband is considered a threat, and therefore, it's dangerous for him to walk around. Mm -hmm. And if we feed into this narrative that black people are dangerous, and they're scary, and they're criminal, it's going to hurt me, and it's going to hurt my kids. And also, frankly, it gives people a way to distract from the conversation, because mm -hmm. now everyone's talking about polluting and destruction yeah. of mm -hmm. property. And yeah. it completely, you know, so, so for all my, like... You know, like, we're like, rah, rah, go get him. Like, I would just challenge you to think about that because, of con and also, you know, a lot of these people that are arrested are people of color and the system's still broken and you're putting them back into that system, which is really dangerous right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of my, my, so those are my points of like rethink, good. rethink yeah. peace and rethink justice. I like it. You know, I, I think, Lou, I'm going to preface this and then I think that you should fill in the, the blanks because... Um, so like it, you, you said a while ago, um, you were talking about the, the looting and obviously the fires and all the things that are happening and, and you don't really know if it's like what is, is causing people to pay attention or it's really making a difference. I do have to say from my, like from outside of like st statistics from like data that's been taken from all this stuff from Americans. Well, I'm an American mm -hmm. and I'm here and I'm watching this and I see it. Mm -hmm. And then I also, it made me pay attention. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care like what the statistics say. Yeah. Like me as like Chantel, it actually, it made me pay attention in a way that I said the same thing that you were saying earlier, which was like, why are they doing this? Um, the man's been arrested. Uh, you know, this is, but then, it went past that, mm -hmm. and I was like, "It's they're upset. Yeah, nobody is listening. Yeah, like no one is listening. Like I wasn't listening. Yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't listening until yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, Target? Why Target? You know, yeah. like they're going into Target. Like that's what I thought. I was like, Did something happen? Is there like an, you know, that's that's really what yeah. Target? Like, uh -huh. and then there was another Target, and I'm like." What's going on? But even then, I'm not saying that it's right. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's right. But it really did. It made me think. But I do think that it, it's, it was an initial, something happened before I actually, before that, that, that took a grip like in, mm -hmm. in my soul. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yesterday, Lou and I were working out and we had a, uh, we were doing a really heavy sandbag carry. Um, so at our gym, um, we carry really heavy sandbags and people typically hate it, uh, because it's very challenging. And, um, and we, we were going to go as like heavy as we could. Um, and then we were feeling real strong yesterday and really good. And, um, 
we needed a super like we had one he one sandbag that we were holding but we needed another really heavy sandbag put on top of that because we didn't have one that was heavy enough to just be one single bag well the bag that we needed to put on top of the really heavy bag was too heavy for just one person to pick up and put on top of that one so we we ended up constructing this really cool little pyramid thing and um and it was Lou's turn she picked up the really heavy bag um, well, she was attempting to pick up the really heavy bag. You want to share with them what, what okay. happened? Okay, so I'm, I'm sharing what happened yesterday. Yeah. Okay, I, I did say I need to talk uh, about yeah. it. So um, I am not going to lie. I would say I have a way bigger issue um, with anger than I do of letting people walk all over me, right? Okay, so we'll just put that out there. I get way <laughs> more frustrated um, than I do get walked on. Uh, which has served me well, but I also am learning also. And so, um, I am about to expose my anger issues to <laughs> all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah. I think, so, I think what but, happened from yeah. it is so yeah. awesome. So, so the whole, um, so this, this sandbag, the, the 180 pound sandbag, like I'm not tall, I'm five, three, and I have a 28 inch inseam on my legs. So my legs are really short and the 180 pound sandbag is really one it's heavy but two it's long mm -hmm. like it's it's really long and it kept folding in this really awkward place which made it even longer and so um I was trying to get so I'm picking the the sandbag up off of the boxes and then Chantel starts picking up the sandbag off the ground and I'm like okay well I should pick up the sandbag off the ground and not off the box like come on Lou so I do it the first time and then the second time I'm starting to get tired and I can't get the damn sandbag over my knees. Like I can't, it's too long mm -hmm. that, that I'm trying to get it on my lap, but it's hanging down below my knees. And Chantel's like, you just got to do it like this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to throttle you right now because <laughs> you know what? I am really, really trying, but like my legs are not long enough and this effing sandbag is really long. And so I'm like, oh, oh, I'm just getting like so frustrated. And then she's trying to coach me, which made it, even worse. And I was just like, I wanted to say a lot of really bad words. And so I tried like over and over and trying to pick up a 180 pound sandbag, like multiple times, even if you barely get it off the ground, it's like you're exerting yourself greatly. Mm -hmm. And my goal for the workout was I wanted to carry something as heavy as I possibly could. So I'm like, here I am wasting my freaking energy trying to get this damn sandbag up over my knees. And my knees are too short. If my legs were just longer and if, if Chantel, and then, so I go into this like blame game where I'm like, if she, I didn't tell her this, she's learning this now. I'm like, if she would have just not picked it up, I just wanted to carry a heavier weight. And then she picked it up off the ground. So now I feel like I have to pick it up off the ground and I should have just left it on top of the box. And then it would have been totally fine. And then I would have been able to do it. And then I'm sitting back and I'm like, I actually didn't think about this then, but I'm like getting super pissed. And then she says something and I'm like, I just want the sandbag on the box. Right. So no, I missed it again. And, um, and I walked over and so there was a box that was like 20 inches off the ground and then there was another box that was like 30 inches high mm -hmm. and then the 140 pound sandbag was on the top of that box so mm -hmm. that we could just stand on it and roll it off. It mm -hmm. was a great contraption. And I walked over and I was so frustrated because my legs like weren't long enough to do this. And so I was really frustrated because I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And I went over and I pushed the, I pushed the box 
And the sandbag, like, it, I mean, it was a 140-pound bag on the top, so it didn't go flying. It just kind of, like, rolled. Well, I actually caught it. Yeah, she That's stopped impressive. it. Yeah. Not, not the bag. I just caught the box from, like, Because oh, oh, I, I obviously yeah. couldn't push it that hard. Yeah, yeah. I was so frustrated. I caught it with one hand. Yeah. <laughs> kidding. Um, and so I, like, stopped for a second, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Every day. Like every day, if my legs would have just been a little bit longer, this wouldn't be so frustrating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like if, if my skin just wasn't this color, there'd be a lot of things that were just a little bit easier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, it took three tries for me to get that thing off the ground. Yeah. I've done a lot of work in my heart and in my soul dealing with my, dealing with my pain and my anger and, but it's still there because I'm, I'm again, still human. Mm -hmm. And for this opportunity, just like, Oh, like push it and be frustrated. Like I didn't feel, I didn't feel ashamed that I got frustrated, but I just felt in this moment of like, there's some people that don't, there is no place for that. Mm -hmm. There is no place for that or it's not safe or it's not okay to feel that yet there's frustration constantly mm-hmm. that I don't understand. Yeah. And so then I couldn't do it and I couldn't do it and I got really, really frustrated. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to try this again. And then it didn't work. And then I was like, I'm done. And then I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do this again. And so finally got it all figured out and then ended up carrying this sandbag. But there was something so, um, like there was this progression of like, now I'm, I'm strong enough to carry this thing. I had to do it differently, but I'm going to carry it as far as I can because I'm capable. So what are the other things that I can carry for people around me and to, to decide to carry even the burden of what it feels like to not understand and to not know, but to say humbly enough that like, I don't understand, but I really want to understand and I want to be better. Yeah. Um, and I put that sandbag down. I carried I carried the sandbag to the end of the gym. It was only 50 feet, but it was 320 pounds. And I put it down. And there was this, like, peace that just washed over me where I was just like, <sighs> Like, I had just carried 50 feet, this gigantic load. And I wasn't like, oh, my God. I was literally like, <sighs> But there was this process that I was allowed to have. And I was given the space to have that mirrored it doesn't it doesn't mirror it 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 just was it doesn't it wasn't it's not anything like it Mm -hmm. but it was this like very simple moment of revelation and realization of like how frustrating things can be when we just can't change what we look like Mm -hmm. yeah and even the it it was it was so looking at even you know the picture of of the looting and why people are destroying things you know, and why, why are they breaking things? Why are they burning things? Why are they, why, why is this happening? And, and then to even look at like in Lou's frustration, like she said, even having the work, like dedicating her life to doing things like this, like, like, like stirring up things in her, in her soul and healing and helping people. And then you look at what happens in a moment of frustration because there is it, but it's it's almost like there's like this little bit of like this blackout, you mm-hmm. know, where you don't even you don't even remember all those things. Mm-hmm. It's like you just know in that moment right now this is happening and you're extremely frustrated. And then it was her own things mm-hmm. that she pushed. It was her own things 
Like those of you that have been in our gym, like we have really pretty boxes. Yeah. They're not shit boxes. Yes. The gym is not like filled yeah. with things that are like from, you know, your garage that your, you know, your buddy's place. Like it's, it's, it's really nice. very <laughs> nice things. And so to, to push that and to have it possibly fall and break or scuff or break something else that it would fall on. Like that's, that wasn't even a thought in her mind. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even like, mm-hmm. if I push this, I'm going to break something of my own or this is, it's, it was just in that moment, the anger and frustration surfaced, she expressed it. And so, but again, it doesn't, it's not, no, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not, but it, but it was something that it took you from a place of, of like, yeah, like being aware of it. We were like, whoa. And just closer to understanding. That's what I'm saying. Like, you don't have to like agree with something or back something to understand it Mm -hmm. you know and to understand where that's coming from especially if it's coming from a place of of pain like and i say this all the time but you don't have to be for like just because you're for something it doesn't mean you're against something else Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like my like one of my best friends is a cop and um when this was happening when he was still living here and this happened before um he like and every you know what he did was he called, um, so there was like, there was like, it was like when there was all those shootings, like in a row, it was like two weeks of, of it, of like people like reaching for their ID and getting mm. shot, that kind mm. of thing. And, um, he called my husband and said, can I bring some steak over? And he came over and they went in the backyard together, just the two of them. And, um, they cooked meat and talked and he just listened. Yeah. That's all he did. He just like, I just want to hear what your experience has been like mm. with, um, and that's, you know, and that was, he's no longer a police officer. He's now in South, but, um, but yeah, it was just so, it's so powerful. And it's, and the thing is, is we appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, so I expressed, so back to the personal story. So I, like I said, like I was like destroyed after that tweet, I was so upset and I was like, I don't feel like a peace builder right now. And and mm-hmm. I don't feel okay. And I um, was talking to another one of our wonderful ladies at the gym. Um, Allison, I'm giving you a shout out. Um, <laughs> and she was like, I think you should tell people. She's like, I think you should, I think you should write it. And so I was like, okay. Because basically what I was expressing um, to Allison was that I was like, I feel like I'm in pain. And I can't express it without offending my friends and my community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was like, I don't think I can do it. Cause I'm like, they will think that I am attacking them Mm -hmm. because I see it every time and I can't do it. And then I will lose and then they won't listen to me anymore. And I have like, and I've built these relationships with people and, and she was like, I think you should do it. Like, I think you should do it. And so I did. And I think like my first post was like, I'm not okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and then my second one was like acknowledge the pain, and that one's been shared almost 96 times on my Facebook page now. And I have had the most outpouring, like in this on a positive note, the the outreach I've had from my friends and this community after I expressed my pain was incredible. Like mm-hmm. people were just like, I don't know what to do, but I love you. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. thank mm-hmm. you. Like yeah. and, and like I cannot and just like. I mean, people are writing me directly, people that I haven't talked to in years since high school, Mm. you know, are reaching out saying like, just know that like, I see it and I'm horrified and I don't know what to say, but I love you and I, and I'm with you. Mm -hmm. And I had so many people do that for me. Um, This morning I woke up to 
um, a message from a Marine. He was like, I don't know you. He's like, but I see you and I love you. I hear your pain. Like, and, I, and I'm with you. And I yeah, was like. I read that. I started sobbing. Oh, I was man. all choked up at the gym. Luckily, everybody was outside because I was like. It was no. so. I know. I remember. It was so beautiful. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. And so. And but but the sad truth is, like, I like I'm having a very unique experience right now out of the whole black community. I um I one of the women at daycare. Is also um, is also black, and I was, you know, she came out with her son, and I was like, "How are you doing?" And she's like, "She's like, it's awful, and they don't get it." Mm. She's like, "She's like, they don't get it. They're asking me to explain it, and I'm tired of explaining it." She's like, "I don't mm. even know why I moved here." Mm. And I was like, "Can I?" Sh-? I'm like, "Can I show you the solidarity gathering in Medford today?" And like, no. <laughs> I was like, like, and so it's just, you know, it's hard because I have I. Like, I shouldn't have to expose my pain to get that kind of Mm -hmm. support. Mm -hmm. And um, now I'm feeling, you know, good about it. But other people shouldn't have to do that. Other people in the black community shouldn't have to continually relive and explain their pain. And like I said, present it to folks to then examine. Mm -hmm. And and so that's why it's just so important to acknowledge people's pain and, like, um, in your community. And just show them that you're there with them. That you, like, because we... We see it and it and it matters. Um, yeah, and it matters so much. And so, I've I've been feeling really hopeful, but I know that there is um, a lot of people um, that are either you know whether they're in the black community or champions of those in the black community that are absolutely frustrated. Mm-hmm. They're like, all these people are so upset about all this stuff with COVID, and they're being silent with this. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. You know, and they're so and they're so mad, and they don't see any hope mm-hmm. on reaching across and, and having these tough conversations. Um, but it's so, it's so important. So just to say that like, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have to, um, but I'm really incredible support by my community, by my church Good. has been, um, you know, and that's something else that the black community has not seen at a national leadership level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from many of the, um, many of the Protestant churches, I should say, mm. Um, but you know, mine did mm-hmm. and I felt, I felt seen and I felt supported and well, I feel we've got a pretty great church. Kind of amazing. We yeah. Yeah. Well, living water shout out. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, you know, but a lot of people aren't, aren't feeling this right now. It just feels, it, it feels really hopeless, but mm-hmm. I think there's so much power because the only way that we unify, like the, the police chiefs that are saying like, I, there's these videos of like them, like some of them. I know there's a lot of bad ones of some of them kneeling and then going out and like hurting protesters, but there's some mm-hmm. also some really incredible ones where yeah. like this, like I posted one with like this young black boy is just, he's clearly in pain yeah. and he's sobbing and the yeah. officer just holds him. I know. I and saw like, that. I bawled, I bawled oh. watching that one too. Oh my gosh. Or the other guy who's like, you know what? I have my right gear. I put it away. Like I'm with you. Let's walk together. Let's walk mm-hmm. together on this issue. And it's crazy because like you here you see like the like an all black community and this officer is talking to him saying like you know what I put it away let's walk together this is this yeah. is stupid like mm-hmm. this needs to change and they're like yay like yeah. thank you like yeah and like so happy and it's like mm. this is the this is the group that they're supposed to be mad at you know yeah. and just the fact that like he sees them yeah. they're ha- it's like all that like it just go they're just happy mm. and they just like want to so bring good. him in the thing that's crazy is that um so i'm a you know i'm a nervous system geek and um i was reading uh, this book on the polyvagal theory uh, about a month ago and there was a part in the book where the the writer says 
when we do not feel seen, we move into a sympathetic state. We move into fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we move into those states when we feel unseen. And when we feel seen, it shifts what's actually physiologically happening in our body. So just to see someone, like for those of you listening, to like actually see someone can change their physiology and our physiology then Mm -hmm. changes what's going on inside of us, right? Our heart rate doesn't increase as much. We don't, we aren't breathing as hard. We're not like trying to survive. We move from a place of survival to like, I feel seen. Mm -hmm. And then we don't behave in such a way that we are feeling like we're in survival mode. We don't feel threatened because we feel seen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether we agree or disagree on matters, but if we could start to see one another, it literally lowers like our protective mechanisms inside of our physical body. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's incredible. It's good. So, um, Jess, we should probably wrap this thing up. Do you, have, do you have like Ugh. anything else that you would like to add before? Like, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to give all your social media, but is there, is there like one statement that you want to leave, leave us with? I think I've said a lot of statements. Oh my goodness. No, I just <laughs> want to a lot of really good things. Oh, thank you. No, I just, you know, like I said, I just want to take time to um, acknowledge people who actually spent time listening to this whole podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that you probably experienced race-based stress. Like mm-hmm. it might be like this conversation is uncomfortable Yeah. Mm-hmm. and um, the situation is uncomfortable and, you know, looking at like it's, it's not easy and it would be so easy for you to just be like, oh, they're talking about this race stuff, this is, you know, and, and tune out or stop listening. And so mm-hmm. if you are still listening by the end of this long conversation, I just want to acknowledge you and say that like you are part, like you sitting here and listening is like, this is part of the solution and mm-hmm. this is where it starts. And so I just want to acknowledge you and appreciate you because like, I truly believe this is where change starts and that we can yeah. build, we can build this world together the way yeah. it's supposed to be. And mm-hmm. I truly believe that. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming and talking and sitting with us and um, just sharing all the things uh, that you did. So um, thank you for, for listening to, uh, the Dear Life I'm In podcast. Uh, you can find Jessica Murray on Instagram at Jessica Murray, uh, Murray with an E Y. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you can also find her uh, organization, Wicked Saint Studios, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, you can. Yep. Yep. Wicked yep. Saint Studios. Um, you can find us at Drop Gym on Instagram at uh, Drop Gym Online, and also. Jessica was, her husband was actually the one in the midst of all of our brainstorming for Mm -hmm. our business who came up with Drop Gym. Mm -hmm. So we have like so much gratitude for, (laughs) for all of the, all of the things that we did. But, um, you can find, uh, Chantel at Chantel.Dayton on Instagram. Um, and you can find, uh, me Lou Crenshaw on Instagram. I did change it because trying to spell my name at the end of every podcast seemed a little bit um, not awesome. And my podcast guy was like, Hey, you got to wrap it up a little faster at the end, which I totally didn't do this time. Cody. I'm very <laughs> sorry. Um, but I think you understand. So, um, you can also, uh, find our website on, uh, dropgym.com. So thank you for joining us. Please share, subscribe, um, like tell all your people and, um, just everyone that, you know, uh, like share this and remember peace is not passive. Justice is not t-shirts are coming yes Yes, they they are are. (laughs) thanks for listening guys bye